The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. in that village. Maybe I would choose another village. I don't know if I would think that I would, I would have chosen some 
something different. My hand is up. I would have chosen something different. Honestly, I mean, I mean, it's sometimes it's your siblings. You're like, I wouldn't have chosen these guys, you know, or these ladies. I mean, sometimes we, we, we are like, I mean, come on. If, if we had a choice in the matter, you know, what will it be? But you see, things like that and many other things, we don't have a choice. But God has not left us without a choice. There are things we actually do have a choice in. There are decisions we, we actually get to choose the direction certain things go. But unfortunately, we usually underestimate the impact of our decisions. The impact it has on our destiny. The impact it has on other people's destinies. We usually underestimate the impact our decisions have on our destinies and on the destinies of others. We don't see that while some things are outside of our reach, there are so many things that are within our reach. While some things are outside of our control, there are so many things that are within our control. So the, the issue of destiny is one thing that, I mean, a lot of people struggle with. What's my destiny? Is my destiny to be this? My destiny to be that? You know? And all that and all that. I'll just give you a few pointers to help us understand this concept of, of destiny better. Number one, we know God sets your destiny by deciding when and where you are born. God sets some things in motion by determining who your parents are, who your siblings are, your local government area, your village, your clan. In Acts 17, 26, we see that very clearly. It says, from one man he created all the nations through the whole earth, and he decided beforehand, beforehand, God determines that and sets some things going. Number two, we, we know that our destinies are intertwined with each other. Our destinies are intertwined with each other. Everyone has people whose life will be impacted by their decisions and vice versa. Everybody. Everybody has people who, when they make a turn, it has a huge impact and vice versa. Everybody. Acts. Sorry, Romans 14, verse 7 says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. In other words, God didn't create you just to live for yourself. God didn't create me just to live for myself. There are things and there are people whose destinies are connected. I mean, and personally, I, 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 I didn't really understand it as much as, as, as I do today. I mean, years ago. And I've explained to you before, I mean, when, when um, my father and I went, like, in a transition, and the question is, okay, so what do I do with my life? I'd always wanted to do a PhD, so maybe should I just go ahead and, I mean, get the PhD done, and you know, everybody forget about you, you know, and, you know, you, know, you live happily ever after, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. And I was, I was in the U.S. at the time, and, and um, I can remember very clearly, my, my, 
was, I mean, in my sister's house, I wasn't even praying, I wasn't sleeping, I was just communing with God, I was just, you know, and a picture of somebody flashed in my face, and God, and, 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 I, and I saw the person, the face, and God said, um, something like, you, you want to do a PhD, you want to abandon ministry, what's going to happen to this person? I'm like, before I could think of a response, he showed me another face. What's going to happen to this person? Before I could think of an, a response, he showed me another face. What's going to happen to this person? Before I knew it, doom, doom, doom. You know how these things are? I, to seize of faces, I'm like, what's my business? I mean, I was like, you know, I wasn't rude or anything, but I was like, what's, what's my business? You know, I mean, we've been taught that in a different way. And God is saying, listen, make the wrong move. And you have blood on your hand. So I'm like, so I told my wife, I'm like, it looks like I'm heading back to Nigeria. <laughs> and that's how God's favorite house started. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, aren't you glad I came back? <laughs> Now, the, the, the beauty of it is that I had the privilege of God showing me all that. But there are people that you are connected to. There are and that's how God has, I mean, I don't know. When you get to heaven, you can query him. That's how he has set it up. You can't, you're not an island. The third thing I can tell you about destiny is that we will miss our destiny if we choose to follow our own plan instead of God's plan. I mean, that is so true. If I, if I'd gone to do a PhD at the time, I mean, okay, they will call me Ducky, right? Then what? I remember uh, someone that Scott said to, to her, okay, this is what I want you to do. But if you go, she was a nurse. If you go and, and do your nursing thing, I will bless it. You know, you will prosper and everything. You know, and she was like, ah, how can you say this is what you want me to do? And you're telling me if I go and do my nursing, I will prosper, you know. So she said, no, she doesn't, she's not doing the nursing thing. When we choose our own plans ahead of us, we ask for trouble. Hebrews 12, 15a, we see that in that. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Number four, part of your destiny is to play your part in God's plan for history. Part of your destiny and my destiny is to play our part. God has a big, grand agenda. God has a big, grand plan. Ours is just to play our role. Before we came, people have played their roles and they've exited. We'll play our role. The time we come, we will exit. Guess what? When we are gone, people will come and play their roles and, and exit. That is how it is. So what is God's grand plan? God's grand plan is, that, is this. God is gathering a family from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, to spend eternity with him. That is God's grand plan. 
So you and I have a part in that. God's favorite house has a plant in that. Six years ago, God's favorite house began to help and join this grand plan of God. And there are churches, great churches all over the world that are doing the same. Joining this God's grand plan. There are individuals, you and I, we have been deployed even in our marketplaces and our homes to do the same. God's grand plan. Matthew 24, 14. It says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. And then the end will come. So, everybody here has a destiny to fulfill. Everybody here is a part of the kingdom of God. And when you move forward in your life, the kingdom of God progresses. When your marriage moves to the next level, the kingdom of God progresses. When your children progresses, the kingdom of God progresses. When when your business progresses, the kingdom of God does what? Progresses. When your career progresses, and you have to see it the way God sees it. When your life progresses, it is the kingdom of God that is progressing. And since the days of John the Baptist we learned last week, up until now, for the kingdom of God to progress, what happens? There's violent conflict. There's violent conflict. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by by force. By force. So this conflict is real. And God wants you and I to have the courage to fight because victory is ours in Jesus' name. When you looked at that teaser and you saw the punches flying, and you saw the guy falling and the other guy standing. I hope you envisioned that you are the one standing and all the forces of your life are falling. I hope you are not confused. In case you are, I'm telling you, you are the one standing. Praise the name of the Lord. Courage to fight for your destiny. One of the most required attributes for victory is courage. It's courage. You need courage. I need courage. One of the most painful things is to go to war with cowards. It's to go to battle, to do battle with, with cowards. You know, I mean, give the example at the first worship experience yesterday. The school I attended, you know, the, the, the football team of the school I attended had a nickname. They used to call us Butter Boys, you know. I mean, from Ajebota, you know, to Butter Boys. Um, ISL at the time. I don't know if they still have a school team, you know. Then there's a school down the road, St. Fimbas College. St. Fimbas College. Those people can, I mean, they are footballers, you know. A lot of people with national team came from St. Fimbas College. I don't need to start mentioning this. That's not where I'm going. So on this day, I, th- I think I was in Form 3. And, you know, as God will have it, from Form 3, I was in the senior school team from Form 3. So we had this match. 
against St. Fimba's College at the Unilag Sports Center. It was a big match. It was David versus Goliath. <laughs> and we have people, we had people, I was just a from three students. We had from five students who were big and strong. I was just little, you know, but I had some tricks up my sleeves. I made it in. And the big, some of the big guys were, ah, they have finished us today, we are dead. You know, and I was like, how? Football is 11-11. Is it not 11-11? But as the thing went, a lot of the people that were afraid were on the bench. And the match started. And by sheer miracle, miracle, we won 2-0. President. Well, you can clap now. It's not victory. <laughs> I don't have to actually. Now, the point is this, the point is this, my point is this. My point is that the feeling of having people on your team that are cowards is a very disturbing feeling. The feeling that you have people on your team that can drop their tools and turn their back on you is a very disturbing feeling. And in, in victory, in, in battle, you want you don't want, I mean, it's, imagine a, a, a wife and a husband, they've already agreed on this is how we are going to take this direction. And, the, the, and they are moving and they are building their lives in a particular direction. And then the, the husband's sister came to visit and the husband is, was afraid of her sister. Eh, we, you know, we, they are not real. It's not like that. You know, how would you feel? How will a wife feel? Married to a coward. God wants you to have some courage. Everyone say courage. God wants you to have courage. And even if you, I mean, even back in the day, I mean, there's, there, there are people that they don't have original courage. You know, they're just, you know, shakara, they just have, you know. Even that sometimes gets you some results. Someone told me a story a few weeks ago. <laughs> you know, um, we were playing golf together, and, and he says, oh, Pastor, let me tell you this story. So I will tell you this story. So there was a man in those days when they were riding horses, you know, the Western days, you know. And he rode his horse to this pub. And he ordered a drink, and he tied his horse outside. And while he was taking his drink, unknown to him, Someone has stolen his horse. So he finished his drink and went outside and he couldn't find his horse. So this guy smiled, brought out his rifle and shot up like five times. Boom, boom, boom. And it's a small village. Everybody, everybody came around. And, you know, this guy, what's going on? And the guy says, I'm going inside to have another drink. If I come out, and my horse is not where I put it. What happened in 1955? It's going to happen in this place. And he went back, sat down, ordered a drink, finished his drink, and he went out. His horse was there. <laughs> then, then a curious person came to him and said, Oga, you know, 
tell us that 1945 story. What happened in 1945 when they stole your horse? The guy says, actually, they stole my horse in 1945, and I had to walk home. <laughs> because I, I didn't find the horse. But the courage to come out and say, if I don't find my horse, what happened in 1945? produced the earth. Hebrews 10, 35 says to us, so do not throw away your confidence. Your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. Confidence is always richly rewarded. Courage is always richly rewarded, particularly in God. Courage is so important that you can't even begin to access God if you don't have courage. Why? The Bible says we should come boldly to the throne of grace. How should you come? Boldly. Boldly. And there's a character in the Bible that demonstrated courage it was Caleb. Caleb had courage. Caleb had courage. He had a different spirit, a courageous spirit, the Bible calls it. And from the life of Caleb, and Joshua, maybe it's David, and some other Bible characters, we can see a few key things about courage and possessing your possessions. If I am going to fight and possess my destiny in God, if I'm going to fight for my brothers, for my sisters, for my sons, for my daughters, for my husbands, for my wife, those of us that have husbands, for my home, if I'm going to fight for my destiny, I must show courage in five ways. I must believe, number one. I must believe that I can do it even if I am afraid. I must believe that I can achieve it even if I am scared. Numbers 13, 27 to 29. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruits it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites, living the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live across the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. And if you notice, like I shared, that all these enemies, Amalekites, Amorites, Jebusites, Canaanites, all of them have sites because they are parasites. They are parasites. They are just parasites. And, and you see, God is saying, you will drive them out. Don't be afraid. Have courage. The children of Israel, they, they were afraid. They were like, oh, we saw them. They were big. They were this. They were that. They were this. They were that. You see, your destiny in God involves large cities with giant problems. 
fight. You have to fight. Your destiny in God involves large cities with giant problems. Don't back down. God, the reason, listen, listen. Let me say, Jonathan just said this. I've said it before. Let me just say it again. The reason there are giants there is because you haven't arrived yet. Because there's, there's no vacuum in nature. So the, some, there has to be an occupant. And the reason, that's the first reason. The second reason why there are not dwarfs there and there are giants there is because the land is so good. It is the best of the best that can be there. So you can announce, I have arrived. Get rid of the parasites. But when we look at the testimony of Caleb, Numbers 13, from verse 30, verse 30 actually says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. We should because we can. He silenced them and said, We should because we can. We should before we, because we can. And these are the two essential attitudes of courage. The two essential attitudes of courage is we should because we can. We should before, because we can. There are things that God wants to do that look big and enormous. Don't be afraid. Say, I should because I can. There are giants in the place. It's big. There's a lot of threats. There's a lot of I should because I can. And before we get it mixed up and not really understand where the source of, of, of his courage is from, by the time you look at Numbers 14 verse 9, you will see the real source of his courage. He says, do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. He says, they are only helpless parasites. They are praised for us. They have no protection. But the Lord, everyone say the Lord. But the Lord is with us. One of the best prayers ever is the Lord be with you. One of the best prayers ever. If you are sending your children to school, one of the best things you can say is the Lord be with you. The Lord go with you. That's what I mean. When we close service every time, we always say that. As we go, let your presence go with us. If the Lord is with you, who can be against you? None. That's, that's, that's the truth. So, we, the source of the courage is, is, is the Lord. It's the Lord. That is the primary source of courage. Then, how do I explain this? God is the source of courage. Then, to do life, courage is like, is like, is like fuel. So you deplete it. It goes down, it goes down, it goes down. So you have to earn courage. You have to 
refill. There are three sources, there are three petrol stations that sell courage. If you put it that way, there are three sources that refill. Number one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit encourages us, puts courage back into us. When we fought and fought and fought and we are tired and depleted, he encourages us. The second petrol station that, that, that sells courage is, is, is ourselves. You encourage yourself. David was encouraged himself in the Lord. The third petrol station that sells courage, that dispenses courage, is the people you do life with. God says we should encourage one another. You should put courage in one another. And this is key. So for me to take possession of all that God has for me, for the people I'm fighting with and fighting for, I must believe that I can do it even if I am scared. That's number one. Number two, I must have the courage to give my best. I must have the courage to give my best. I must have, you see, so people, a lot of people are not living. They're just existing. When you don't give your best, you're just existing. You're just existing. I must have the courage to give my best. It takes courage to give your best in life. It takes courage. It takes courage to give your best in, in a marriage. In a marriage, it takes courage. Why? Because there's no perfect marriage situations. People are going to disappoint you. You, you know, you're going to hurt each other. And people are now going to begin to ration what they are giving. You know, why? Because uh, I gave my best last time. See what she did. See what he did. You know, so I, I need to manage the situation. I don't give my best. And every time you don't give your best, you're just barely existing. It takes courage to give your best. To give your best in your business, it takes courage. To give your best, to throw yourself in. <laughs> it takes courage to throw yourself in. When Gospel Witness was starting, starting like, like, like I said, I mean, we, we left everything behind. As some of you, most of you might have known, I emptied my bank account to show you how much I had. I paid for two services at Protea Hotel and I didn't know what was going to happen next. It was that. I threw myself in. You have to throw. I could have said, oh, ministry, you have to be careful. You know, people won't appreciate you. You know, see what happened to you. They called you names. Look. Life is not interested in uh, someone that is throwing a pity party. You have to get up, dust yourself, and give your best. And give your best. Praise the name of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 9, 26, you know, this is Paul. It says, I give my best. It says, therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I, I, do not, I, I do not fight like a boxer that is beating the air. You know, NLT says, I don't do shadow boxing. I go for the jugular. I give my best. I give my best. In your workplace, you have to give your best. In your career, you have to give your best. In your life, it's either you are showing up or you are not showing up. Stop wasting time. 
Stop wasting time. I mean, personally, for a long time in my life, I mean, I figured that, that look, listen, it's either there's no point doing half measures. It's either I am serving Jesus or I am not serving Jesus. Joshua says, if you want to serve other gods, eh, go. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what is it going to be? Determine it and give it your best. Just give it your best. It takes courage. It takes courage. You know, we, the, the, the world economy, I mean, and that of Nigeria particularly, is, is going through an interesting time, you know. And yes, from a prophetic standpoint, we said it last year that this year is going to be very, right? I mean, I said it several times last year that the coming year, <laughs> hard is, is almost an understatement, you know. But I also said that you have to ensure that you align with God so that when others are saying there's a casting down, we'll say there is what? You will say there is a lifting up. And when, let's say you are helping people and there are things that you are doing to help people and it's taking resources from you and you are going through I mean, and you see the, the, the outlook of the economy, your, your, your temptation is to cut back. I'm here to say to you, don't cut back. Still give your best. As a church, by the grace of God, there are things we are doing. So many things. For instance, there are teachers in another part of Africa that we are paying their school fees. If we don't pay their school fees, those children don't go to school. Now, it was easy, and many other things, it was easy for us to say, ah, you know what, let's cut back on this, let's cut back on that. But by the grace of God, we said, we will not cut back. We will give our best. Praise the name of the Lord. It's... it's it's a lot. There are churches we are building. There's a church in the north that was burnt down by the terrorist group. By the grace of God, we practically finished building it for them. There are churches in other countries in Africa that we are building. And there are schools that we are building there. Now the key thing is this. If you look at what is the uh, climate, you will stop doing those things. But God says, no, you have to give your best. You have to give your best. You say, but pastor, it is not wise. Listen, if you don't understand who controls time, then you will make decisions based on what you see. If you understand who controls time, you will make decisions based on what he says. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. In Genesis 26, we, we see something, classic example. 
He says, and there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. There was a famine in the land. In these days, there was not, when there's a famine, there's no rain. When there's a famine, these guys at the time, they don't have an irrigation system. Depend solely on the elements. So if you are planted anything, you are just wasting your time. It does, supposedly. Verse 12, it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land. Even though there was a famine, he did not hold back. And he received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. You are going to wax great. You are going to go forward. You are going to grow until you become very great. The key is this. Give your best. You must have the courage to give your best. It takes courage. It takes courage. Number three. If I'm going to fight and possess my destiny in God and for my home, for my destiny, for my brothers, for my sisters, for my children. Number three, I must have the courage to reject negative advice. I must have the courage to reject negative advice. Years ago, I was going to do a professional exam. Again, I've shared this story several times, but you never know. Someone may need to hear it. And this exam... I had actually six papers, not eight. And before I wanted to write the exam, there's someone in the industry that, you know, is like, you know, um, you can say a mentor. You know, these guys, what he says means a lot to me. You know, because he's been there, he's done that, you know. So, so I, told, I went to meet him and I said to him, you know, because I always like to have mentors, you know. So I said to him that, you know, I want to do this exam. What does he think, you know, and all that. And he said to me that if I do the exam now, I was going to fail. And he told me I need to have another, like, five years of work experience, then do this, then do that, before I can even attempt the exam. And he gave me a list of people that have tried it, that, 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 that I shouldn't waste my time. The exams were expensive, my goodness. I shouldn't waste my money. And I left talking to him deflated. And I'm like, <sighs> but something in me said, you know what? Fight. Go do it. So, against professional advice, <laughs> I went to do the exam. And lo and behold, because it's an exam that's a computer-based exam, and, you know, and you see your results like that. Lo and behold, I failed the exam. So I'm like, oh oh. I went through the full cycle of beating yourself to the point where it must be the Holy Spirit that encouraged me, filled my courage tank again. I spoke to people close to me. They filled my courage tank, you know. And 
and I said, I'm going to write this exam. And as, I mean, this exam, it takes like six to 18, six months to 18 months to finish it. And I sat down, studied for the exam, finished it in eight weeks. All the six papers in eight weeks, and I passed them. Glory be to God. The point is this. The point is this. I could have listened to negative advice. The courage. If you're going to become whatever God wants you to become, you have to, you need to have the courage not to listen to negative advice. And it may come from a doctor. It may come from a specialist. It may come from the best of the best. It may come from, you know, but if it's not aligned with the word of God, don't take it. Praise the name of the Lord. So if you are going to fulfill your destiny, you must be ready to go against popular opinion. Numbers 14, verse 2 to 4. You know, these guys, very interesting people, the, the Jews. It says, their voice rose again in, in great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. These are people that God has done awesome miracles for. If only we are dead in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. It says, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in Batu? Our wives and our children, little ones, will be carried off as plunders. Wouldn't it be better if we returned to Egypt? Then they plotted against among themselves against Moses. Let's choose a new leader that will run our own agenda and take us back to Egypt. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will not choose a new leader or make yourself a new leader to head back to Egypt in the mighty name of Jesus. They are saying we prefer safety in slavery. We prefer safety in slavery to greatness in obedience, we prefer to sit down and to be eating leeks and cucumbers. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, but I like what happened in verse 10, Numbers 14, when they tried to stone. It says, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. It is, it is these two, two guys that are, you know, let's stone them. You know, sometimes the good guys get stoned. <laughs> Since then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites in the tabernacle. Guess what happened to the stones? I really love it. It means God rose up and protected Joshua and Caleb. To experience God's protective presence, you must be ready to get stoned. Praise the name of the Lord. So, if I am going to fight and possess my destiny in God, number one, I must. Come on, I must. I must believe that I can do it even if I'm afraid. Number two, I must. I must have the courage to give my very best. Number three, I must. I must have courage to reject negative advice. And number four, I must 
have the courage not only to reject negative advice, to lay aside my own personal opinion. No, that is big. That is big. I must have the courage to lay aside my own personal prejudices. I must have the courage to lay aside my, even from my own experience. You know, remember the story I told you about that exam that I took. The first time I sat for the first paper, what happened? I failed it. I could have made that my story. I could have said, oh, hey, look, I'm talking from experience. This thing, you can't do it like this. But I must have the courage to even lay aside my own experience, to lay aside my own opinion, to lay aside my own prejudices, and believe God. The spies, they saw the giants with their own eyes. They saw the giants with their own eyes. Like we say in this part of the world, nobody said them say, I see the thing with my two korokoro. Nobody said them say. So this is not a theory. I know what I am. So God is saying, if you want to possess your destiny, all that he has for you, you must have the courage to lay aside your own personal opinion. Wilson Churchill says, and I quote, that courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. You know, some of us, we know the courage to stand up and speak. When we talk about courage, the only thing that comes to our mind is standing up and speaking and standing for your right and da-da-da-da-da-da. That is fine. But you see, it also takes courage to sit down and listen. And many times, it is the courage to sit down and listen that actually releases us into our destinies. Many times. I can give you several examples. Several examples. So, if I'm going to fight and possess my destiny in God, number one, I must believe that I can do it even if I am scared. Number two, I must have the courage to give my very best. Number three, I must have the courage to reject negative advice. Number four, I must have the courage to lay aside my personal opinion. And number five, I must have the courage to believe it is never too late. I must have the courage to believe it is never too late. Doesn't matter. You know, since we are in um, celebration, six year anniversary celebration mode, I might as well tell you a few stories. <laughs> I remember when I told my wife, you know, what I felt God was saying to me about God's family house. And I expected my expectation was that it was going to be a battle, a, a, an uphill task to convince her. I, I was so sure that 
were going to have, she was going to disagree, and I was going to be able to say to God that, God, can you see? She does not agree. So, since she does not agree, and you are not the author of confusion, therefore, <laughs> this thing has to wait until we are aligned. You know? But, I mean, to my shock, utter shock and, <laughs> and amazement, when I told my wife, she got up and she started dancing. I, I mean, I was, I, was, I, was, I, was like, I was like, are you in shock? You know, because some people are in shock, they do many strange things. You know, like, I was like, did you hear what I said? You know, and she was, you know, and she was dancing. I was like, why are you dancing? I was bodied. I was almost busting. I was literally almost busting. So, 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 I, said, so I said to her, do you know what has gone down in that place? So she knows. We gave our lives. I said to her, so where are we going to start from? She said, what do you mean that where are we going to start from? She said, where did that church start from? I said, from my living room. I said, then we start from my living room. Said, this woman is crazy. <laughs> it's confirmed that this woman is crazy. How can you say that? The courage to believe that it is never too late. If, if you want to take possession of your destiny, you, you must believe that it is never too late. Many of us, we think time has passed us by. We think we've lost the opportunity. God is saying to you today, it is never too late. It is never too late. Caleb was 85 years old. 85. Joshua 14, 10 to 12. The A part. Joshua 14, 10 to 12. The word of God says that, now as we can see, the Lord has kept me, this is Joshua speaking, he has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years. It was 40 when the, Moses sent them out. Since Moses made this promise, even while Israel was in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and I can fight as well as I could then. So give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Now, this was an 85-year-old man. Believe me, you know, it's easy to say that, oh, in those days they live long. It was an issue. Age was an issue. If age was not an issue, you would not be referring to the fact that he's now 85 and he's still strong. 85, you should be tired. But with God, you can be 120 and be going strong. Praise the name of the Lord. Don't write yourself off. Many of us say, oh, it's too late for me to start a business. What does that mean? What does that mean? He says, oh, all my CVs, uh, I, you know, all the, the advertisements I'm seeing, job, they're only taking 22-year-olds. Now, I am 42. I mean, they won't take someone like me. Excuse me. They will rewrite it for you. It is never 
two legs. For some of us, are like, oh, oh, time has passed, you know, I cannot still have children. I trusted God since I was 20-something. Now, I'm this old, maybe, you know, maybe it's not my portion. Listen, listen, listen. As if you desire to have children, it is your portion. It is never too late. Never too late. If you must take possession of your destiny, you must have the courage to believe that it is never too late. Time may have passed, yes, but your destiny has not expired. Time may have passed, but there's no expiry date. As long as you have breath, it's proof that God has need of you. As long as you have breath, it's proof that you are not done yet. As long as you have breath, it's proof that there's still a lot of grounds to cover. And don't settle for the valley. Be like Caleb. Ask for the mountain, Hebron. Ask for Hebron. On Hebron that he asked for, there were giants on Hebron. And Caleb said, I'm ready to fight them. I'm ready to fight them. I am fired up to fight them. I am fired up to fight them. You see, let me tell you something. It's a big secret, but I'm going to let you tell it out. Don't tell anybody. Are you ready for this? If God makes a promise to you, if God makes a promise to you, and it appears that is passing what actually happens is time actually freezes for Caleb he was 40 he had the promise he was 45 he had the promise he waited he was 40 he had the promise he waited another 40 years Time froze. His mates, all of them had died. He was still alive. Do you know why? The promise. <laughs> kept him alive. The next five years, he was other fighting, helping other tribes settle down in their own territories and all that and all that and all that. It froze. When he was 85, guess what? It was as if he was still 40. You know why? Because the promise will freeze the time for you. The things, we, we panic a lot. Human beings, I think we are, we, we are like a panic machine. Every button in our body, panic, panic, panic. Touch everywhere, panic. No, no. We shouldn't be panicking. God is saying, have I said it? Will I not bring it to pass? God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. God is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. You can hang your hope on him. Listen, I am here. I'm a living test. I can tell you, 
God is faithful. God is faithful. Everything may seem not to be working, but just stay there. As long as you have a promise, the time is paused. Let's bow our hearts. As we bow our heads. I want you to talk to God. I say to God, God, I receive the courage today. I receive the courage. I receive the courage. I receive the courage to take possession of my destinies. I receive the courage to knock down every opposition. I receive the courage. And yet there are people here, there are many of us here, you are sitting here, you need to receive the courage to respond to God. God is calling you. God has been calling you. God has been knocking on your heart. You need to receive the courage to open the door for Jesus. You are saying, Pastor, that is me. I've never given my life to Jesus. I come to church, but I've never given my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Or you are saying, Pastor, I used to be born again, but I've backslidden. I want to come back to God. Can you pray with me? Yes, yes, my brother. Yes, my sister, I want to pray with you. Should I get up and come forward? No, you don't have to. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Put up your hand now over your head, wherever you are seated, and I'll pray with you. God bless you. God bless you over there. God bless my brother. God bless my sister. God bless you over there. That's it. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Keep, keep it up. God bless you, sir. God bless my brother over there. God bless my sister. God bless my brother over there. That is me. The courage to respond to God. Keep the hands up. That is me. Once you have the card, you can put on that hand. You can put on the hand once you have the card. That is me. Put up the hand. God bless you. God bless you over there. God bless you. That is me. God bless you. Father in heaven, we pray. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for everyone in this place. Thank you for the courage to take hold of our destinies. We thank you for everyone that has responded. They've, they've shown courage to respond to a relationship with you. Lord, we ask that you cleanse them totally. Change their lives. Take them higher in you, Lord. And, and let your name be glorified. Every one of us, my father, give us the courage to fight. Give us the courage to take hold of our destinies in you. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Let's put our hands together for the Lord, for his kindness and mercy and his goodness and compassion. Amen.